Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Academica Vertex podcast. I'm your host, Aditya, and today I have with me a new member addition to our podcast team. So, hi, Oli. Welcome to the Vertex podcast group. Hi, uh, hi Aditya. Hi, uh, hello, everyone. Um, I'm very happy to be here and um, recording the first podcast, and I hope there's many to come in the future, and we can continue doing this. Nice to have you on board, Oli. Now, before we move on, we have some things to address here on behalf of the Fantasy Football Academy and the FPL Academica. Initially, we at FPL Academica, we aimed at producing consistent content throughout the season with respect to FPL. And regarding it, we just failed miserably. We didn't produce enough content in a consistent manner. And we hope to be back next season producing content in a more consistent manner and also some add-off pieces here and there. Also, if you have been a follower of FPL Academica, you must have noticed that we did start a project restart series about two weeks back. So we are now in a process of getting in new writers and uh, planning more content throughout the season. Now, with respect to the Fantasy Football Academy, that's the podcast, the Academica Vertex. Our last episode, which was episode one of this season two, was in the month of August. And this is currently the month of July, and you must be wondering how come this is the second episode. There's been a lot of gap. Yes, again, it's the same reason. As you all know, if you have heard the Academic Vertex before, actually, Varun Bansal is the host, and he's kind of busy at the moment with his exams, so I I wish him all the best. But now, I'm also free at the moment, so we are going to kind of jump in and uh, start producing uh, a weekly content in terms of podcasts, and also there are going to be a few live streams here and there before the deadline, so which we'll speak about it a little later. Uh, yeah, that sounds all great. Um, I'm happy to be part of the new team and um, I wish him all the best with his exams as well. And hopefully it won't be too long before um, we're speaking to him again. And um, we're hoping to start off a sort of um, a podcast and a, um, a stream. Um, so we have uh, the FPR Academy on YouTube and we're hoping to do a, a few streams here and there on the deadline and um, have a few guests on. And um, it's it's great to be on the new team and part of this, this new podcast. And, and hopefully we can make a thing that that keeps going sort of every weekend and people are tuning in uh, before the deadlines. And um, so uh, it sounds all good and uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to doing it. So enough of all the introduction. So now let's move on to our main agenda. So today's episode, basically, we are going to speak regarding the game week. 33 plus as this podcast is kind of a preview towards it but before we actually move on the general thing is to speak about the current ongoing game week so we'll have a few pointers here and there speaking regarding game week 32 plus and so Oli, what have you noticed regarding this current ongoing game week although there has been some surprises here and there what have you noticed in specific uh one big surprise for me was the Jimenez blank on saturday against aston villa away um, Wolves looking hot form, um, going into fifth place, um, pushing even for a Champions League spot and going to Villa away looked like a, a game that Jimenez could maybe uh, at least get a goal or a brace. Um, unfortunately, Wolves only scored the one goal from Dendonka from outside the box, lovely goal into the bottom corner, but there was no Jimenez goal there. Um, I know he he was a very high ownership and he was captained a lot inside the top 100k and the top 10k overall but um something that did tend to surprise me was no Jimenez goal um uh, and a very interesting fact about um Jimenez is he's got 15 Premier League goals this season and only one of them has scored without Adama Traore on the pitch so with no Adama Traore Jimenez has only scored one goal and uh what Nuno Espirito Santos seems to be playing is um uh sort of two up front at the start of the game with Jota and Jimenez. Um, Adama Traore seems to come on about the 60th minute and they change to a, a three with Jota on the left, Jimenez up front and Adama on the right. And of course, Adama, uh, he's got just sheer strength and pace and he's very quick. So he can completely destroy a, a defender on the 60th minute. But um, it'd be nice for FPL managers to see uh, Nuno sort of starting Adama because we know how much influence he makes over Jimenez. Okay, so as far as what I have seen, for me, the most surprising fact was Chelsea losing to West Ham. Mm. Now, uh, that was kind of very, very unexpected for me. Chelsea were in a good run of form, but West Ham winning the game at the end, 
is kind of a positive sign for West Ham because they are also competing to get themselves out of the relegation zone as they are currently positioned themselves at the 16th place with just three points above the, the drop zone. And that win could be a positive factor for West Ham since they are playing Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich and Watford in the next four. So could we see West Ham back in form uh, with the likes of Mikhail Antonio who also played well against Chelsea with a goal and an assist. But Chelsea, on the other hand, also kind of played well, especially mm. William Pulisic and all uh, did a job of scoring goals and providing the assist. And Chelsea's next run of fixtures also looked good. Yeah, Chelsea have a good good run of fixtures and they look to have some good key assets in, in Pulisic uh, and William. Um, obviously, Tammy Abraham was a very key man at, uh, at the beginning of the season. Um he seems to be a rotation risk with Olivier Giroud up front now. So um, if, you, if you're looking to bring in Chelsea assets, it's really between Pulisic and, and Willian for me. I know that Alonso and Aspilicueta look good as well, but um, they, their clean sheet has been a bit of a, a risk recently. And um, So I'd go for the attackers and definitely not Abraham at this, this point because he doesn't seem to be nailed on by Lampard anymore. Um, the, the other issue with West Ham assets is uh, the main one really is Fabianski and goal, but it, it doesn't really seem to be like oh, West Ham are going to be getting a lot of clean sheets um, in, in the next in the next period. So, but Chelsea have a good run of fixtures. They uh, unfortunately they've just lost to West Ham, but they they beat um, Man City two one, which secured Liverpool the title. And um, yeah, no, it's a surprising result, but I think I, I don't think. Uh, it will affect Chelsea too much. They're, they're still pushing for the Champions League. Of course, they're only one point off Leicester City, who seem to be falling away a bit. And um, yeah, uh, definitely a surprising result, but I don't think it, will, it should affect their form too much. Yeah, one thing you spoke about Marcos Alonso is that currently in this game week, Marcos Alonso has created four chances. That's the most by any player in this ongoing game week 32. So maybe yeah. if Chelsea kind of fix their defensive goals and start defending well, we could probably see the old Marcus Alonso back providing us his scoring goals and kind of creating more chances. So Alonso is definitely a player to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we've seen Alonso in the past, um, you know, sort of get hauls and get sort of 12 points, um, uh, 14 points. He got 14 points in game week nine against Newcastle at home. Um he got 11 points against Tottenham away, 16 points um, in a draw with Bournemouth. So if he got a clean sheet against Bournemouth, it was 2-2 and he got 16 points, you know, he, he would have been up to 22. So we can see him haul and he does have the potential because he gets up the pitch so much. Um, the same with Aspilicueta sort of, um, but I think Alonso is more of, of a wing back and I, we don't know if Lampard likes that or if he wants to play a more full back. But um, definitely if they, they can fix the, their defensive record, Alonso could become a, a sort of must-have player. Yeah, definitely he's, as I said, a player to keep an eye on. Another key game this game week was the game against uh, Bournemouth and Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle did win the match 4-1, but uh, as I was taking a look at the Premier League side, uh, I guess Newcastle lined up 4-2-3-1 this time against Bournemouth rather than, I guess, a 4-1-4-1, which they normally do under Steve Bruce or maybe a 5, back 5 or a back 3. But this game was the best game for maybe Alan San Maximan because he got a hat-trick of assists this, this mm. game. He brought three assists and just priced at 5.5. He could be one of the midfielders in your fifth or the fourth spot who could kind of give you points in a game week where the other side just failed. Mm. Yeah, I think... Um... Sam Maximan coming into the season hasn't didn't he looked lively on the pitch. He looked quick, he could dribble with the ball, but he wasn't getting those goal and assist returns. He wasn't getting those attacking returns. He really seems to have settled in a lot more after the break um, and, and sort of matured for the club. Um, yeah, I think um, you know he got ten points against Sheffield Sheffield United. Um, uh, he scored and and got an assist. Um, I think we could all see it coming against against Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth have been in really poor form. It looks like they're going down. Um, uh, they've got some really difficult fixtures for the end of the season. So if you have any Bournemouth assets like Rico, uh, I, I'd suggest shipping them out because they look like a, a side definitely head, heading for the relegation. 
But so Maximan, as you said, uh, he, he only played 60 minutes and he got three assists. So he, he's looking key in their team and and he could he could look um, sort of good as the eighth attacking option uh, and, and a lot cheaper at 5.5. So the next thing we will move on to is a, a brief uh, discussion regarding the chips remaining. Because at this point, since... The FPL decided to give all of us unlimited transfers at the start of the restart of the season. Uh, that was a game week 30. Most of the managers, uh, I guess, still have their free hit or the wild card. Now, as far as I've checked out on Twitter, I have seen the managers that have the wild card have gone for it for this game week because it made sense of holding on to it for the first two game weeks, just analyzing the players. So, who do you think would be the kind of must-have for managers who have... Uh, use their wild card for this game week? Well, I think um, it's very interesting to see Man United have really had a, a kickstart from the break. Um, a lot of managers are now looking at getting three Man United assets in, and Bruno Fernandes is absolutely just different gravy. He's had eight games for Man United and he's had eight gold contributions. Um, he's had an average of 3.75 shots a game. Uh, he's on penalties and free kicks. So you know that if they get a penalty, he's going he's gonna to get the goal. Um, and he, he, he's really the playmaker for Man United. He's, he's sort of sitting in that number 10 spot, um, attacking midfield. Um, he's just creating all the chances. And another thing uh, dwelling on Man United that I wouldn't normally be used to saying, that in their last eight games, they have six clean sheets. So Man United defensive assets look like to be the one now um and and for me i went with aaron wambasaka uh, it, it it was between uh i know for a lot of managers it was between maguire and wambasaka uh for me i thought wambasaka has more uh potential to get assists and uh, he's only had four assists this season so it's not like the the likes of trent alexander arnold who, who's had 13 he's only had four but in his last two games he's had two assists and two clean sheets meaning he's got 10 and 11 points. So um, it looks like Solskjaer is, is sort of allowing the, the, the fullbacks to get up the pitch more. I know Luke Shaw and Wan-Bissaka seem to be creating more chances and they're, and they're getting up the pitch. If you look at a heat map of uh, Wan-Bissaka against the big, the big teams in, in the early stage of the season, he was playing as a very defensive um, right back, uh, you know, He's got the most tackles in the Man United team uh, in 107, but now he seems to be uh, playing with more freedom and getting up the pitch. So I think um, for me, if if you've got a wild card, I think Bruno Fernandes and Wan Bissaka are absolutely key. I never thought I'd be saying this after Man United's <laughs> uh, sort of form at the start of the season, but they do look really, really in hot form right now, and they've got brilliant fixtures. They've got Bournemouth at home next. You know, Bournemouth just on on the back of a four-one defeat, um, so it could be could be an option to captain uh, Bruno Fernandez, uh, Martial, Rashford. I know Martial got that hat trick um, two games ago, and unfortunately he didn't get any return in in the most recent game. But um, he looks like he's really getting the service now. Um, you know, with Rashford playing on the left, and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has, has found his his best eleven. You know. Before the break, he was unsure. He was he's rotating a lot, playing a lot of different sides. But he's looked, he's like he's really uh, after this break. He's nailed on on a four-two-three-one with Matic and Pogba in the holding midfield. Bruno Fernandez in that uh, cam sort of central attacking midfield spot, and then Greenwood on the right, Rashford on the left, and Martial out up front. That was, I think, the best explanation of why we need to get in United assets now. As Oli rightly spoke, my panelist Oli, not Oli gonna solve that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what the fixtures say is United face Bournemouth, they face Palace, and they face Aston Villa in the next four. Now, if I look at the number of goals scored by Bournemouth, Palace, and Villa, Bournemouth have scored just a goal since the restart. Villa have scored twice, and Palace have also just scored twice. So we can just kind of easily notice that these clubs are not in the form for scoring goals. Defensively, since the restart, United have just let in 22 shots so far. Total 22 shots. And they have managed to keep in two clean sheets in the three games. 
So United defensively have become solid because Matic looks fit. Since Matic is back, uh, it, that just kind of allows Van Bissaka and Shaw to kind of move forward and attack. So as he rightly said, with Paul Pogba also back, Bruno Fernandes giving the license to go ahead and attack. But uh, another problem for me was Martial. Last week, I captained Bruno. Martial scored a hat-trick. Guess what happened this game week? <laughs> I captained Martial and Bruno scored twice. Now, <laughs> this is literally a toss. I have to toss the coin. I'll have to see <laughs> if it's hey, it's Bruno, if it is, it goes to Martial. But what I've generally seen with Martial is that he's kind of a very lazy striker who just kind of loiters outside the box. And it's like somebody has to go and kick his back and like, go, go run, make your movement and you'll get the ball. So somebody, if he gives him the ball on his feet, like a literally a spoon feeding kind of way, he'll score your goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seems to be that sort of typical striker, doesn't he? Uh, just sort of a sort of poacher, just waiting around the box. Um, and you know, when we saw the hat trick, um, it wasn't particularly three stunning goals. You know, against uh, Sheffield United, he they were they were strikers' goals. You know. It was sort of a Gary Lineker goal where it's it's not a, a, a wonder goal from outside the box. But you know, it it doesn't matter. It's 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 FPL. You still he'll still get five points whether he scores a tap in or a bicycle kick, you know. So as long I I understand what you what you mean, he seems to be a, a bit lethargic and a bit lazy on the pitch. Um but he, if he's getting the balls into him and he, he's he's tapping it in, that's fine. But um, he he did seem to be a bit a bit lethargic um uh, in uh, the game yesterday, uh, or was it the the day before? It was uh, the no, day before. Yeah, it was on on Tuesday. Mm. So. The one thing is, you need to get in United assets. Now, is there any other players that the managers could have a look on? Um, I think Wolves uh, have a, a brilliant potential to, to score you points. Um, I've seen a lot of Wolves triple up on Twitter. Um, and, and Wolves, in their last 16 games, have 10 clean sheets. 10 clean sheets in their last 16 games. I know a lot of people have Roman size and uh, Willy Bolly. Um, obviously, Raul Jimenez is widely owned. He has a very high ownership, and we're hoping that he can be the postman that he normally is, and just keep on delivering. Um, even if it's if it's one goal a game week, it's it's perfect. Um, he seems to just doesn't stop stop scoring. And um, Wolves in the next fixtures do have Arsenal, Sheffield United, Everton, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. Now, Everton and Arsenal may seem as uh, seem difficult fixtures, but Arsenal aren't particularly the greatest team anymore. Um, I could definitely see um, Wolves getting a clean sheet against them. And, and Sheffield United have really dropped off the pace since the restart. Um, and then Burnley don't have much attacking potential. We saw Ben Mee scored their goal. Um, and so I think Wolves, if, you're, if you want to get two defenders, that may be the right, the right way to go. Uh, but if you want to sort of go one Liverpool defender, one Man United defender, one Wolves defender, that is the sort of setup that I'm going with. But I think Jimenez is is key, and I think at least one uh, Wolves defender. Yes, as you rightly said. Now I just had a look at the stats here on or chances created. What I found out here was Burnley, Palace, and Sheffield have all created just 12, 13, and 14 uh, chances, respectively. So that means it's just like a bonanza party for Wolves. And uh, Patricio, um, I think he doesn't need to be even selected. Without the goalkeeper itself, I think Wolves can keep a clean sheet now. <laughs> mm-hmm. The way they're playing defensively, it looks good. And I do have Roman Saiz in my team. But mm. some managers could actually, I have to get, I think, Matt Doherty, mm. if you want assist potential but last game week it was I think Johnny who gave the assist so again it's mm. one of the goals a full back who kind of you know pops up for the party in one game week and draws you the attacking potential but it looks it looks like it's almost certain that they will keep a clean sheet every game week because defensively they are looking solid since Willy Bolly is there when I think Willy Bolly plays I think the percentage of keeping the clean sheet is also quite higher mm. so I guess with him being present on the pitch I guess they are kind of more you know stable defensively yeah, I, d- I definitely think um, 
Matt Doherty is is a great um, an, a great asset to have. We've seen him um, get attacking returns in the past, and I think that we'll see it again. Um, Wolves just look to be in such such great form recently, um, uh, and they're they're almost challenging Chelsea for for the, that third position. Um, Matt Doherty has has got one assist against uh, West Ham, I think, and one against Tottenham. But his last two game weeks, he hasn't got a return. But for six million, what you'd normally sort of that's cheap for an attacker. I think um you could see some some big hauls by Matt Doherty. So you're you're completely right to say uh Doherty's a, a a brilliant asset to have, and he's and he's quite high owned as well. So other FPL managers will will agree with you as well by that. Yeah, and another thing which I wanted to speak on right now, which I was having a look at, was. Is it time to say bye bye to Jamie Vardy? Yeah, I mean um, Vardy hasn't been in the best form, and and nor have Leicester. Um, obviously, Vardy has been such a brilliant uh, a fantasy football asset this whole season, and he's still very highly owned. But I haven't had him in my team for many game weeks. It seemed after he uh, his wife gave birth to their baby, he hasn't he hasn't scored since. Um, he has been in. Such great form, but it doesn't doesn't look like it anymore. Um, I think I haven't got any Leicester players in my team at all, and I think if you're on a wild card, it would be a good idea to ship them out. Um, Madison looked very good coming on yesterday. Um, he looked like he was very technical and having some shots outside the box. Madison is of course on corners and set pieces, but I think um, I think it is time. For uh for the Leicester assets to go really uh, I, I don't know what you think about that yeah since the restart uh, when they gave us the unlimited transfers I just had to put Wadi out mm-hmm. I don't know why what was the reason because I felt that Marcus Rashford was priced kind of cheaper than Wadi and he also hasn't looked that good but he's kind of getting back in form back in shape after his back injury so he kind of looks good but he's just kind of missing the I mean, it's just the time is going to come anyway when he's going to haul a 15-pointer or a 20-pointer. It's just bound to happen one game week. Now, Vardy has created seven chances since the restart. That's the same amount of chances created by even Chilwell. Because I have seen Ben Chilwell kind of attacking very well throughout the left side. Also, he did score an excellent goal against Watford. But uh, Vardy had just had like four attempts on goal since the restart. And I guess he will definitely score his 100th goal, but when, I'm not sure. But regarding Leicester, yes, they kind of look uh, off balance because I guess the break kind of put them off track and they're kind of struggling to get back in shape. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, the thing about Jamie Vardy is he feel like that one goal and suddenly his form will just spark back into what it was before. So, but I think there's not really... It would be a bit of a punt to sort of get Jamie Vardy now. The only really real reason that I'd get him is he's scored sort of two hauls in, in two game weeks and you can see that he's got back in form. You know, he, he looks off the pace at the moment um, and he looks frustrated with his play as well. Um, when I saw him play against Everton, in fact, Leicester, they didn't have that much uh, sort of attacking potential. Their goal came from Mason Holgate hitting it against Ian Nacho's head. You know, so I think until until I see something convincing about Jamie Vardy and and I see him bang back into form, I don't think I'll be getting him. And it's absolutely ridiculous if you get him as well. In my case, definitely he's not going to enter my squad any anytime. But he was a great asset at the start of the season till the the break kind of happened. But then even there was spells here and there where Leicester kind of struggled. But Vardy and Madison mm. and another favorite uh, Swing Chu, they were kind of more consistent at the start. Mm. But now even Leicester's fixtures, they face Palace, then they play Arsenal, Bournemouth and Sheffield. So mm. we don't know what exactly might happen because stats-wise, if I have a look here, um, Leicester have uh, created, uh, I guess, 32 chances and they had a total of 41 attempts on goal, averaging a chance every seven minutes. But their uh, shot accuracy was just 17%. That means they are taking shots, but it's not leading into a goal. Yeah, only about one in five of those is even going on on target. And if you think um, it's it's not really good enough for Leicester, and uh, and I hope they do make the the Champions League places because they have such a good start to the season. And 
And Brendan Rodgers, uh, I think, is a, is a very good manager. So, for Leicester, uh, it'd be brilliant to see them make the Champions League Wolves as well. Um, but uh, if they keep playing the way they do, uh, I don't think they will. Yeah, before we move on, I'll ask you a simple quiz kind of a question here. Can you name me the three sides since restart that have the best shot accuracy? Best shot accuracy? Um, I think maybe... This is going to be a guess, okay? I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen this. <laughs> Go ahead. This is a guess. Um, uh, Tottenham? Okay, I'll tell you. Tottenham Spurs shot accuracy is 28%. So it's definitely not... Definitely not Tottenham. Liverpool, no. Man City and... Uh, and Wolves, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so as you said, Liverpool had a shot accuracy of 32%. Wolves had a shot accuracy of around 34%. And City had 42 But the top three sides since we started have the best shot accuracy are Arsenal, Newcastle and United. Manchester United. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I've been looking into Bruno, Bruno Fernandes and... Um, he he just he seems to have so many shots every game. His shot accuracy himself is forty three percent in the eight appearances that he's had for Man United. He's hit the woodwork twice and and he's had thirteen shots on target uh, in eight games. So uh, I think it, it's key to have him. And um, yeah, uh, what what do you think? I mean, Bruno Fernandes is a must have. But another player, according to me, would be a kind of a must have would be Chelsea's William. Mm. Now, that's what I've seen since restart. He had total 10 chances created. He had 14 touches inside the box with three goals. And he had eight attempts out of which uh, five were on target. So, Villian looks like a kind of a chief creator for Chelsea. Now, since even Jorginho is not on the pitch, he's not playing. I guess Villian is assigned the role of set pieces, that is free kicks and penalties. And he did score a good free kick goal against West Ham. So, instead of maybe a Pulisic, maybe Villian could be a go-to option. Or what about Mason Mount for people who don't have enough funds? Yeah, I mean, Mason Mount at the, the start of the season seemed to be playing in the left wing role, which is now occupied by uh, Pulisic. We saw him uh, start from the bench um, yesterday against West Ham. And they, they were sort of playing a 4-3-3 with uh, Kovacic, uh, Kante and Barkley. Um, I think that we'll see uh, Mason Mount start start more often. Uh, I don't think he's quite the asset that he was at the start of the season, um, but I definitely think William is. If you're going to get a Chelsea asset, it's it's uh, for me it would be William. He has he has a lot of pace. Um, his contract's ending at, at the end of the season, so that's that's a, a bit of a, a a bummer for Chelsea. Um, but as you said, he's on set pieces and he's on penalties. Uh, and you want the assets that are on set pieces and penalties, like the Salas, um, the Fernandez, um, and the Vardy when when he's playing well, and and De Bruyne for Man City as well. Um, he, he's now on the penalties over Aguero. They seem to have sorted out the system at, at Man City. And although Man City is a is a very difficult team to predict who is ever going to start, <laughs> because who knows with Pep Guardiola, he has he has a different team every week. Uh, so. The only ones that seem to be nailed on is uh, Edison and, um, and and De Bruyne, and and after their Liverpool game in um, uh, game week 32, they've got a really really good run of fixtures. So it, it could be worth trying to trying to get a Man City defender or Edison in if you want a, a guaranteed start. Um, it, it would definitely be Edison uh, or, or maybe Laporte. I mean, I know Laporte was uh, rested one of his recent games because. He's, he's only just come back from injury or was just back from injury before the uh, coronavirus break. But if you want, I think, if you want a guaranteed six points, uh, I think Edison is, is a good uh, asset for that guaranteed six points. I think Man City just should keep the clean sheets. Yes, so we did speak now regarding our must-have few players who, if you're on a wild card, you could possibly aim to get in. And also we did touch upon some some teams that have good fixtures, a good run of fixtures in the next three, four games. Now we'll move on to the next part of the podcast where we'll be speaking regarding our current FPL teams, like how they line up, what are we thinking of doing, the transfers, ins, the outs, and the captaincy choices. So I'll start with you, Oli. What are you aiming to do now? Um, well, as I said earlier, uh, I have that sort of one Wolves, one Man United, one Liverpool defender. Um, 
Uh, I've got Son, Mane, De Bruyne, Fernandez, Rashford, and Jimenez. So I've I've gone with the three Man United players, and it seems to have, have worked off well, especially with a uh, captain Bruno Fernandez. Sometimes it's just the way F- FPL is. You know, last last week I I captain Fernandez, and um, this week I I accidentally slept past the deadline, so I accidentally captained him this week, and he gets fifteen points. So. <laughs> You know, so sometimes there's a bit of luck in FBL. You know, there is a bit of luck sometimes. Um, and he seems to look really good in his, his away games. But I know we've talked a lot about Fernandez, so we'll we'll move on to some some other players. But I think uh, I, I'm tempted to go with a, a Wolves triple up. So I'm tempted uh, to uh, take Lascelles out and bring in a Bolly and free up some money elsewhere. Uh, for me, my captaincy this week is between De Bruyne and Fernandez. Um, De Bruyne plays Southampton uh, away, uh, which looks like a, a good fixture for him. I know Southampton have been really good recently, especially Danny Ings. Uh, a lot of people transferred him out before the uh, break, um, and he's just proved everybody wrong um, in his his game on on Saturday. He was expected to score 0.1 goals. His expected goals was 0.1, yet he still got a brace uh, on Sundays. He got a brace and, and scored two. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I've got two free transfers this week, so I'm not really sure. I'm looking for injury news on Richarlison because I have him in my team. He obviously scored against Leicester yesterday in their 2-1, uh, 2-1 victory. Um but, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with where I am at the moment. I know that may sort of backfire. I'm at a 17,000 overall rank, so I'm quite happy with how I'm doing. My only concern would be uh, Martinez in goal, uh, the Arsenal goalkeeper. He's had uh, two clean sheets in his last two games. Um, however, he does have some difficult fixtures. In the next four games, he's got Wolves, Tottenham and Liverpool. So I know Martinez looked like a cheap option. Maybe it's time to... Um, to try and uh, get get someone else in. Yeah, so I mean, for four point uh, two, I think he's four point three now. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, he has done a fair bit of his work. I mean, two clean sheets in two game weeks. That's that's quite good, I would say. I mean, for the price, he has delivered his points. Mm. And probably you could look elsewhere for another goalkeeper. But uh, for me, even I'm in the same boat. My team currently, my goalkeeper is Matt Ryan because I needed funds to get in Mares. This is what I'm probably going to do. I'm probably going to transfer out Richarlison for Mares because I think he'll be playing the chunk of games. But regarding uh, Man City assets, as you said, I guess the amount of time which they have, the recovery period, I think that's quite less for them uh, between game week 33 and uh, uh, 34 because I think it's just, I think, 69 total hours. So, we could probably see a rotation. I'm not sure if yeah. I'm right with the counting of hours or not. We could probably see uh, some uh, players playing, some not. Maybe we might see Otamendi starting. We might see Foden playing a game. Uh, maybe Rodri. I don't know if Rodri is fit. Mm. Maybe De Bruyne getting subbed off early against Liverpool because he generally kind of said, I think Foden, Sterling and Mares they kind of have a, a good physique to get themselves back in shape during the recovery. So maybe Mares would be a player that I would definitely like to get in in place of Richarlison. But another problem for many FPL managers is most of them along with me have Calvert-Lewin and we are stuck and we don't know what to do now. So do you have any suggestions for that? Um, obviously, it depends. Um... Uh, who you who you have? Um, let me just uh, dwell on the point of Mares. Uh, for, for the you say uh, about the quick turnaround and how we may see some rotation risk. I think we may see some rotation risk at, at the end of the season anyway from Pep Guardiola. We know that he loves to do it. The problem is with Man City, they just have so many backups. You know, for Sterling they've got Sane, for Mares they've got Bernardo Silva. So it may be a bit of a risk going with Mares. I haven't done it. Yeah, the only Man City player I have is De Bruyne, like I said. Um, but yeah, no, um, definitely uh, it's a risk. But Man City, we know what they're like in attack. If it pays off, you can get a lot of points. And we saw him get 19 points in that double game week. In terms of um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, you could you could hold on to him. Um, but I know that he's got difficult fixtures coming up. Um, 
his last three games of Aston Villa, Sheffield United and Bournemouth are very good. So, But his next three are, are a bit more tricky. In terms of his price bracket, people are in, in the same sort of price bracket. Uh, uh, Danny Ings at sort of 0.8 million more, but his next three games are all very tricky. Man City, Everton, Man United. Um, Jota, if you're maybe looking for a, a bit of a punt, um, is an option. Uh, but more expensive options, definitely Rashford. If you haven't got him already or if you don't have those Man United assets, I think Calvert Lewin to Rashford, yes, you're going to have to free up funds somewhere else. But uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for somebody um, that is going to is going to hopefully play well, he, we saw him get two assists uh, against Sheffield United. No returns in the most recent game, um, which is a bit annoying. But um, other cheap options include Enketia and Greenwood. Uh, we saw Greenwood get a goal and an assist and and three bonus points. Um, which is very good for his price, really. You know, four point three million. Even if he doesn't, even if he blanks, you can't really go wrong um, because he's so cheap. You, you can't you can't complain too much. So Greenwood is is another p- a potential player you can have. Um, yeah, um, I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, definitely Mason Greenwood at four point four is definitely a good option because I guess. Daniel James is not kind of the preferred player to start games for United. He might be rotated along with him. But I just had another look on Calvert-Lewin's stats and I found out that he had a total of 10 attempts on goal since the restart. Mind you, Bruno Fernandes had 11. But the only issue here is what he didn't manage to score a goal. Although he had 10 attempts, out of which I think he has a 50% shot accuracy, but he has kind of failed to score goals. Mm. We could possibly see a turnaround could start scoring goals, but kind of looks bleak for me. Yeah, I mean, um, if Richarlison is out injured, which he may be, we'd see Calvert-Lewin have to step up and become the main goal scorer. Um, we know Calvert-Lewin has got a good record. He's got 13 goals this season. And um, it's it's a difficult one for, for owners because you, you can become sort of in, impatient and um, want to transfer him out. But you can't. It's an option to stick onto him. Um, we've seen how good he was before the break, and especially for that price, um, I think it, maybe for me, if I had him, I'd stick onto him. But but I don't. So um, but I'm, I'm I don't think that I'm gonna get him though. But uh, yeah. So it's basically if you own him, stick with him. If you don't, then don't think of bringing him back. So yeah. that's what is the kind of possible I mean, option. Especially if, if Richarlison is injured, because if Richarlison is injured, he's going to have to sort of, he's going to be the one getting most of the chances, really. Yeah, although um, Everton's uh, next run of games, they play Spurs, then they play Southampton, Wolves and Villa. So, I mean, it's kind of very difficult to see goals being scored here because Spurs are excellent defensively because Mourinho is the manager. Wolves are pretty good. Southampton have also looked good uh, in terms of scoring goals. Aston Villa have actually looked kind of decent with parking the bus and defending and then trying to go on a counter. So, it could go either way. We could probably see Calvert Lewin scoring few goals or he might not. So, probably if you want to jump off the ship, you want to get a cheaper United asset, then it would be Mason Greenwood. Or else just if you have him, just stick with him. Yeah, I mean, um, I could definitely see... Uh, him scoring a goal against Tottenham. But uh, I think if you're unhappy with him, definitely try and find someone else, especially if you have those two free transfers. Try try and move to uh, someone else, as as Adita just said. And another thing I wanted to speak on is because, uh, although, again, we're going to go back to Bruno Fernandes, but uh, United's next run of game look good. And uh, with them facing Bournemouth, would this be an ideal time for managers who have triple captain to use it on one of the United assets? Um, yeah, I mean, triple captains obviously a very important chip along with a, a bench boost. Um, uh, if you haven't used it already, I think um, it's, it's definitely time. <laughs> but um, we've seen that Bruno Fernandes in his home games hasn't been as influential um, 
and he's he's picked up more points in in the games that he's played away. Like yeah, in his away games, he hasn't blanked at all in goals or assists. Um, whereas in his home games, he blanked against Wolves, um, uh, and against Sheffield United. Um, but I think uh, it shouldn't matter too much the home and away form, especially with no fans as well. So if you're looking to uh, hit a triple captain, I think. Uh, Man United against a weak Bournemouth side is is a good idea, and I would I wouldn't put it on on Rashford. Um, I mean, if you've got him and you have no one else from Man United, yeah. But uh, I, I for me, I do it on Fernandez um, or or Martial. So that's a point to be noted. If you have a triple captain and you're willing to take a risk, it looks like it's either Fernandez or Martial. So now we next move on to our last segment is a Q and A. So we did post a tweet out on Tuesday afternoon and we kind of got like three questions. We are still happy because we did get some questions. Okay, the first question here was by uh, DivZ. I think it's at the rate CFC underscore DivZ. He asked, what are your thoughts on City assets going forward? Um, my thoughts on City assets? Definitely De Bruyne. De Bruyne is, uh, I think he's the highest scoring uh, player in a fantasy football this season, I think he's a must-have. Um, if if you don't have him already, f- find a way to get him in. You know, he's, he's ten point seven million, so very expensive. But he's got fifty one point one percent ownership. So if he hauls and your players don't, you'll see yourself dropping through the ranks very quickly. Other city assets, um, as you said, Mares looks good, uh, and for me, uh, only Edison. Um, uh, in in defence because who knows? Uh, I mean Walker is pretty good at five point three. We've seen him get up, get up the pitch before, um, and maybe with Guero out, we could see a uh, uh, sort of uh, Jesus coming in and, and taking over the front line. Um, but we saw in um uh, in the game recently uh, against um, Chelsea, I think Bernardo Silva play up front over Jesus which uh, I thought was very strange. But, um, you know, we'll let Pep Guardiola do his job and we'll do ours. But uh, <laughs> but uh, thoughts on City Assets? Definitely De Bruyne. Mares looks good. Uh, and their fixtures are very good for a defender after the Liverpool game. Did you have uh, anything? I would say De Bruyne, Mares, and maybe, as you said, because Edison is the only person, the only goalkeeper there who looks kind of nailed on in their defence. So it's either... It's either one of three, maybe I'm going to double up because I'm going to get a Mahrez. I'm going to transfer Richarlison because Richarlison was just a punt for me, a two-week one, and it just kind of delivered for me mm. in one one of the game weeks. So I'll be happily transferring our Richarlison for Mahrez. So I think that kind of answers this question. Yeah, I mean, I know that we've seen, um, we've seen other players before like um, Laporte. I mean, he has an attacking potential. Um, but I think Mahrez uh, is 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 a good good player to have. Another one which I wanted to add is that if you're willing to take the risk, you can go with Phil Foden. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Because Godzilla kind of prefers him, and he says like he is the kind of direct replacement for David Silva. Yeah, so he could probably start in some of the games, and he could provide some returns because he's just kind of priced at around I think it's five point two, and that could be. An excellent option who could free up funds elsewhere, but that just depends on whether he's nailed on. But he could play some games when David Silva doesn't. So, mm. yeah, uh, I mean, we've seen David Silva have just an amazing sort of career in the past. Um, and, and Phil Foden is a is a young prospect. Um, when he doesn't start, you can't you can't really complain because it's expected. Um, however, we saw him get uh, what was it? I think twenty points. Um, in the double game week, uh, like or nineteen points in the double game week, um. So yeah, he's he's played very well, um. And he is a bit of a punt. He's not guaranteed to start, um. But I think when he does, he he looks he looks uh like a threat. Um, mind you, Foden got I guess uh twenty two points in the double game week. So we we don't know what Guardiola would prefer. So maybe we would see like uh the the games maybe Foden is benched. Uh, the next consecutive match he may start. So, although as a fifth midfielder, the midfielder who kind of frees up funds, I guess he could be a good option to have an eye on. 
Now let's move on to the next question. And it's asked by Phoenix. And he asks, as a fan of football, what drives you to play the game like in depth? What motivates you to make the changes each week? Um, I think, you know, I, I enjoy playing FPL. Uh, it, it, it's it's a fun sort of game um, along with watching the football. Um, I mean, I can see why um, some people don't want to do it, but I think it it's it's a very sort of good thing to do as well. And it's this is my first season playing uh, FPL, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm completely hooked on it. So um, yeah, what 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 do you think that motivates you to make the changes each week? See, according to me, FPL is definitely a fun game, but it is also a kind of uh, a game wherein everybody wants to win and everybody wants to be the best. And there is also mm. kind of uh, we have these kind of mini leagues and all where we want to dominate and boast. So. This is a game yeah. in, <laughs> that that is one one way of looking at it. But uh, what motivates me? You're watching real life football, and you're just picking out your best players and making a best team based on what you see and what you feel might happen. So, mm. as a natural football fan, you don't need any kind of an extra motivation. I mean, you're just naturally motivated enough. It's like if you ask a FIFA player. Why do you play FIFA Ultimate Team? He'll also kind of give you the same reason because he likes football and he wants to build a team on the way he wants to play the game. So FPL mm. is kind of very similar to that. And as you rightly said, this is your first season. But uh, for me, this isn't because if I can take a look at it, this is kind of my third season, if I'm not wrong. And yeah, so when I started in 2016-17 season, I finished up at, I guess, uh, 735k so that's close to like 7 like 40,000 that's yeah, I was a, a kind of a casual player you can say but the next season I kind of finished up around 145k last season was the season where I turned kind of hardcore and I was like kind of focused and I kind of finished at 42,000 and currently I'm ranked around 78,000 because of Obama Yang's you know return and uh, Nick Pope's screen sheet just kind of pushed me off because at the start of this game, I was like around 51,000-ish. So, I mean, that's nothing wrong in playing the game. It's fun. But what drives you to play the game is just real football that drives you to play. Being a football. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's it's very rewarding, you know, when you watch the games and, and you see the players and, and you look at the stats and then you bring... You know, you bring in players and make changes to your teams, and then those changes work, and and they provide a sort of a rank rise to your overall. And it's it's very competitive fantasy football. It's um, it's not just as you said, it's not only just a fun game. Um, I know in my mini league that I'm top right now, and I have a big smile on my face about it. You know, um, <laughs> it's it, it it there is definitely a a sense of bragging rights uh in the mini league and um. Definitely, uh, I think the competitive nature of the game, and it, it's not—it's not easy. It's not just like a, a an easy game. It's—it's it's difficult to be able to to come first. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not an easy game. It's, it's the other thing. It, it's competitive, uh, and it, it's fun as well. You know, there's a sense of uh, I I enjoy playing it as well as it's competitive. Finally, moving on to the last question. Our very own FPL Gaffa asks, who are the best defenders in the 4.5 to 5.5 bracket? Um, so in the 4.5 to 5.5, um, I think Roman size for, I think it's 4.7 now. I think he's had a, a price rise for Wolves. He's, he's very cheap and he provides a, a, a clean sheet, 10 in the last 16, as I said earlier. Um, to 5.5, looking at the more expensive option, now at 5.4 is Wan-Bissaka. Um, you can also get Maguire because uh, he has looked very good from the corners. Um, uh, he does provide a threat um, to uh, from the Fernandez corners. He keeps getting his head on it. Uh, I know he scored one against uh, Norwich, but that was in the FA Cup. Um, but uh, I think Wan-Bissaka, um, size, uh, I, yeah, I said this uh a bit earlier, but it, they look to be the the best options, and um, yeah. So your options were Van Bissaka and Roman Saiz. Uh, mm. I kind of found out two players were similar, as you said, Van Bissaka, Roman Saiz, maybe Serge Aurier, 
because Spurs are defensively also solid. Mourinho's team generally performs defensively well. We did see him last game week, him playing in a more advanced role than even Son. And I mean, he's generally a good uh, fullback who kind of provides assists in more of an attacking manner. But Mourinho did say that he needs a backup option for Aurier. And he said he could rotate players because he was, I think, saying he might... He's also kind of training Alderweire and I think Jetson Fernandez to play as fullbacks in the right-hand side. So, we don't know. We could see possible rotations there, but Serge Aurier could be an excellent option. Maybe uh, Joe Gomez, because I think Matip is ruled out. So, if Liverpool do play the season in a more serious manner, rather than going on to the beach and enjoying, we might see Joe Gomez playing and he could probably give you an easy route to Liverpool's defence. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, um, I think... Um... Definitely, Aurier looks looks good. He, he looks to be more attacking like Wamba Saka as well. He's had five assists this season, um, and he, he he seems to be getting really up down the right. Um, Gomez, as you said, uh, he doesn't provide any uh, attacking potential. Um, I don't think he scored a goal for Liverpool. He doesn't go up for corners. He he stays back. It's it's, it's Van Dijk is is the one who stays for corners. So if we see Liverpool. Um, you know they they want to break records. They don't just want to um just want to cruise the league. I mean, obviously they'd like to give other players a chance, like Minamino, and you know give Lallana a send off as well. Um, so I think uh, the defense. I think it will still be nailed on with uh, Van Dijk and Gomez. Gomez has, has played 102 games for Liverpool and he's got no goals. So if you're looking for a haul, it's not Gomez. But if you're looking for somebody to bring in six points, uh, I think that's your man. Yeah, another guy who replaced uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold was, I think, Neko Williams. So, mm-hmm. we could possibly see some games where he started. Yeah, we will have to look for rotation now. Liverpool have won the league. Um, uh, they're, they're, no, they're no longer in the FA Cup. Um, they, they, of course, got knocked out uh, of the Champions League by Atletico Madrid. Um, so, they don't have much else to play for other than sort of breaking records. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's uh, we we just have to see how it goes really, and we'll have to see how much Klopp rotates. I mean, now he's won the league, you would feel that he he will he will rotate more, but whether he'll rotate his centre backs, uh, who knows? So that's it then. We'll have to wind up for this episode, and uh, we are hoping to have a live stream on the Fantasy Football Academy's YouTube channel on Tuesday. That's the 7th of July, as it's the same day as the Game Week 34 deadline. So, we'll put out a tweet corresponding to that once everything is sorted out. So, once again, thanks for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.